Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things for You. I want to read to you today out of Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And today, uh, eternal life, everybody should settle the question where you'll spend eternity, whether it be heaven or hell. And uh, I will tell you first off that you do not want to go to hell. Hell is so bad that when Jesus cast demons out of the crazy man, the demon said, uh, don't send us to hell, uh, but uh, send us into the pigs. If demons don't want to go to hell, then you and I do not want to go to hell. But that word eternal life is more than just uh, heaven or hell. Uh, that is the word zoe in the, the Greek, and it means everlasting life, life of fullness, a quality of life, life with vitality, uh, a tremendous life. And, uh, you know, what I'm talking about sounds like an infomercial. If you turn on your television at 4 a.m., they'll say, buy my program and take these vitamins, read my book, and you'll have uh, life with vitality, a tremendous life. Well, the Bible tells us how to have this tremendous life, how to have a life with vitality. There were some powerful questions that were asked by this lawyer to Jesus. And then Jesus asked some questions back to this lawyer. And I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 29. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How do you read that? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, You have answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. When he was saying live, it wasn't just breathing, but it was to enjoy real life, be alive, not lifeless, not dead. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest, that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, for whatsoever you spend more, when I come again, I will repay you. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now I'm going to tell you something today very quickly. The ditches are full of people. There are people that have wound up in the ditch. Some of them are naked, wounded, and half dead. And some of them uh, uh, got there by drugs. Some of them got there by alcohol. Some are there because of poverty and issues. And then you have natural disasters, earthquakes, hurricanes, people that are born into bad situations. So they're in the ditch of life. And I'm challenging you today to not forget about the people that are in the ditch of life. 
First John chapter three, verse 16 through 18. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever has this world's goods and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We always have heard that, you know, actions speak louder than words. And a lot of people want to talk about what they're going to do. We're, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But I'm going to tell you something. Actions speak louder than words. There are several attitudes that are represented in this story. And uh, the truth is, everybody that is listening today, we all have different attitudes. If I say broccoli, some people love broccoli. They have a great attitude toward broccoli. But other people, may, I can't stand broccoli. You know, you say steak to me and I'm happy. You say steak to a vegetarian, they're sad. You know, so the truth is we all have different attitudes about a lot of things. But in this story, there were some people that had different attitudes. There's the robber. There's the priest and the Levite. They had an attitude. And then the Samaritan had a different attitude. The robber's attitude was simply this. What is mine is mine and what's yours is yours. When you deprive something uh, that is due to someone, then we have a robber's attitude. When we come to church and we think it's all about me, when we're like, well, I don't like the sound, it's too loud. I don't like that kind of music, it's not my kind of music. But you think about that a little bit. Uh, I will tell you something, my dad and mom, when Sally was a little girl, Sally's 25 years old now, all right? But when she was a little girl, she liked the Disney movie, uh, I can't even think of the name of it, but it had a princess in it, okay? And, uh, and uh, she watched that thing over and over uh, and over and over. And when she would come to my parents' house in the morning, she'd have that DVD under her arm. She'd slip it in my dad's DVD player. Maybe we'd drop her off at 8. We'd come back at 5. They were still playing that video all day long. My dad didn't want to watch a movie about princess. But he loved that little girl. And I think that we got to love the world in such a way that some things don't bother us, that things uh, uh, that are not our preference don't bother us. Because not everybody likes my kind of music. Not everybody likes my kind of preaching. Not everybody likes what I like. But I'm going to tell you something. I can put up with a few things because I want people to come to the Lord. The priest and the Levite had a different attitude. Their attitude, what's mine is mine. And what's yours is yours if you can keep it. Whatever is to your advantage. I remember walking into a church one day. I walked into the church and normally I go to the sound uh, booth and uh, where they have video and media and all that. And I gave them a thumb drive and they were going to put my sermon up on the screen. And, and um, they were telling me what microphone to use and all that. And I had a big old watch on, a, a watch that I loved and and a big blue face watch. And the sound man said, man, I like your watch. Immediately, the Lord spoke to me and said, give him your watch. Well, on the inside, I'm like, Lord, this is my favorite watch. You can't even buy this watch anymore. It's discontinued. I've, I've tried to buy another one already. And you're wanting me to give this one away. It's my favorite watch. And he's only the sound man. That's what I was saying to the Lord. Well, I left the sound booth, went up to the front, and the church was started, and they began having worship. They had a time where everybody was going to shake hands with everybody, and, and I'm miserable because I'm not obeying the Lord. 
And I decided, look, I'm going to obey the Lord. I walked back to the Sam booth, took that watch off, slapped it in the Sam man's hand and uh, gave it to him. He said, what's that for? I said, the Lord told me to give it to you. Now, here's the thing. If the Lord would have said, give it to the pastor, I'd have given it in a heartbeat because, you know, I know if I scratch his back, he'll scratch mine. And too many of us are like that. I'll do what I want to do for the church and for God. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If you let me sing in church, then I'll pay my tithes. Well, that's not how it works. We are obedient to God no matter what we get out of it. But then there's another attitude, the Samaritan attitude. And this attitude is the one that will give you that life with fulfillment, that tremendous life. What's yours is yours and what's mine is yours if you need it. This is the attitude that brings eternal life, life with vitality, life with a fullness. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I can remember an old lady in the church where I grew up. She had nothing. She had a bunch of cats in her house. She had a dirty, uh, kind of a dirty house, lived in a rough neighborhood. But I'm going to tell you something. She would give everything she had, and she lived a life of fullness. If you, you live your life, what's yours is yours, and what's mine is yours if you need it. You're going to step into that life that the lawyer was asking Jesus about. In Matthew 25, verse 35 through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you or thirsty or gave you drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick or in prison, or came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. I remember going to Puno, Peru. Puno, Peru, I think is 13,500 feet elevation. All the people are very short. They all have real red faces. And we were there to do a crusade at uh, the auditorium, the largest auditorium in that town. And we had come in to do this. And all the pastors were asking me, we have a bunch of poor people here. Could we do a feeding? And my answer was, you know what? I don't feed people. I preach the gospel, but I don't feed people. I don't do water. I don't do any of that. That was years ago. I would say, you know, you can get to heaven hungry and you can get to heaven thirsty, but you can't get there without Jesus. Well, that was a wrong attitude. But these guys kept pressing me. Can you feed the hungry here? We got a bunch of people that are, are hungry. And, you know, they had a lot of, uh, uh, oh, I don't know. They, they did sacrifices there and different things. And, you know, anywhere the devil rules and reigns, he brings two things with him, sickness and poverty. That's the two gifts the devil has given to humanity is sickness and poverty. So we had a lot of sick people, a lot of poor people that needed food. So I said, okay, we'll feed some people. And here's what we did. We had uh, 15 pastors that we gave 100 tickets to each of them. And they gave them to the poorest people in the neighborhood of their church. That's 1,500 families that we're going to get a bag of groceries, a bag of beans, rice, noodles, uh, oil, enough to maybe have a few, four or five days worth of eating. All right? And we came back to a park, and all the people that had gotten a ticket, the tickets were color-coded. They stood in the right line with their pastor that gave them the ticket in that line. And I preached 
before we gave them food. We had a mound of food, you know, for 1,500 families. There was over 5,000 people there because the people brought their kids and their husband and, and different people were there. I like preaching to 5,000. I like feeding the 5,000 now, but I'll tell you something. I preached. I said, look, we're going to give you this bag of beans, rice, noodles, oil. It's going to help you for four or five days. But if you listen to what I preach and you receive what I preach, it will help you for eternity. I said, this is temporary, but what I'm giving you is eternal. And we began to preach. And when I began to preach, I didn't preach very long. I gave an invitation and over 70% of the people that were there, over 70% of that crowd of 5,000 or more gave their heart to the Lord Jesus. And I found out something that, you know, people, they can't eat the Bible. They can't eat me preaching, but I'm going to tell you, they listened and responded. And there was a woman there, a little short woman, all bent over, had a hump on her back, probably about four foot five, you know, really not very tall. And she came up to me and said in Spanish, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. When she said that, tears began to run down my face because at that moment I experienced this life everlasting, this eternal life, this Zoe life, this tremendous life. And I'm going to tell you something. Since then, you know, we've been feeding children around the world. We've given over uh, somewhere near 300,000 meals now to children and presented the gospel to them and families because we found this is a great tool to reach people. And because of this, uh, we, we, we give a cup of water in his name. When we drill a water well, we are experiencing this life everlasting. And we believe that we can give them natural water, but with it comes the living water that only Jesus can give. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, there's something about this when we do something for others, when we have that attitude, what's mine, uh, what's yours is yours and what's mine is yours, if you need it, things begin to change in our life. Listen, I, I, I find this good Samaritan was there. And I think about him a lot. When you're going to have this life everlasting and life eternal and a tremendous life, this good Samaritan, he was on the road and we had the priest and the Levite, these are probably some good people, but I, I, maybe they thought, we're not going to stop and help somebody in the ditch because it's a scam. They're going to steal from me and, and they're going to trick me and I go over there and help them. Their buddies are going to rob me. And I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe their wife said, hurry home. Don't make any stops. But the good Samaritan that experienced this life everlasting, this tremendous life, this life of fulfillment, he was willing to be interrupted. And I find someone else in the Bible, Jesus, if you find, uh, uh, you read his life, he was willing to be interrupted. Most of his miracles took place when he was interrupted. He's preaching and they let somebody down through the roof and interrupted his sermon. And he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Take up thy bed and walk. Blind Bartimaeus cries out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's interrupted as he's walking down the road. He's sleeping in the ship and there's a big storm arises and he gets interrupted from his sleep. So he steps out because of the disciples. He says, Peace be still. 
I'm going to tell you, I believe miracles will happen in your life when you are willing to be interrupted and when you're willing uh, to let God use you no matter what. When you're sensitive to the needs of your neighbor, all kinds of miracles will take place. I believe we got to be willing to be interrupted. I was at the Tulsa airport and uh, I was getting ready to uh, check in my luggage. I was flying to a meeting that day and I usually get in the short line because I travel so much. I get in the line with frequent flyers and, and there was somebody in that line, a young man that was taking a long time. Matter of fact, they were kind of arguing with the young man. And I'm looking at the young man and I'm judging him with the judgment of man instead of the compassion of Christ. He has his pants, they're kind of sagging in the back. He's wearing a hat, kind of sideways, flat bill. You know, he has, he, you know, I'm just like, what is this kid doing? He's messing up my time. I'm going to go to Starbucks if I get through this checkout uh, line faster and have a cup of coffee before I get on that plane. But he's messing it up because he's taking so long and I'm getting kind of angry. Now, he doesn't know that, and the people don't know that. And finally, he turns around to leave, and when he does, he says, Hey, Reverend Eccles. And I went, Hey. I didn't recognize him, all right, but I went, Hey. He goes, Oh, you don't know who I am. I said, uh, Well, I'm trying to put a, a, a name with the face. He said, I'm from, and he named off where he was from in West Virginia, a little bitty town. He said, I go to such and such church that you preach at. And he said, uh, my parents are doctors and they sit on this side of the uh, auditorium. And he told me who they were. And I go, oh, I know who your parents are. I said, what's going on? I said, why are you in Tulsa? He said, I attend Oral Roberts University. And I said, well, what's the deal? I said, they, you know, it seemed like you were having a hard time checking in. He said, well, I was supposed to have leave three weeks from now. But I had a class at Oral Roberts, just a three-week mini class, and they canceled it. And when they canceled it, I'm trying to get home now three weeks early, but they will not let me go home on the ticket that I bought because I don't have the $150 for the change fee. I said, just wait here. When I walked up to the front, I laid down my credit card, and I knew the lady, and she looked at it. She said, what's that for? I said, pay his fee with that. She said, really? I said, yeah, really. I said, don't you think a preacher ought to preach uh, and live what he preaches? She said, okay. And she looked at me like I'm crazy. I paid his fee. Didn't even think anything about it after that. I went through uh, the security, got on the plane, didn't think another word about it. Didn't have to call my wife. Can I do this? This is how we live. Didn't think anything. Months pass. Maybe eight months pass, and I get a letter in the mail, and it's a thank you note. I open it. I don't even know who it's from. Open it up, and inside is a check for $500. It's from this kid's parents. They said, man, we meant to send you this a long time ago, but we want to thank you for helping our son. I want to tell you something. I didn't do it for the 500 but I will exchange $150 for $500 all day long. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. Give and it shall be given. Press down, shaking together, running over. Men shall give unto your bosom. I'm going to tell you, you cannot outgive God. But I'm going to tell you, I had a fulfillment in my heart when I helped that young man. And there was that life eternal. Listen, people ask me all the time, how do you know who to help? I can't help everyone. But I can help those that come in my scope of awareness. Somebody said, how do you know where to go in the world and preach? 
I could put a wall uh, map, a map of the world on the wall and take a dart and throw it at the map and wherever it hit, there's probably somebody in need. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe if we're going to have life everlasting, life eternal, that we're going to have to help people and we're going to have to go to the world and be sensitive to the needs of our neighbors. And I find that this good Samaritan, he left this man different than he found him. I'm asking you today, are you leaving people different than you found them? Jesus left people different than he found them. He left people better. He left people encouraged. He left people healed. He left people uh, alive. And I'm going to ask you, do you leave people better than you uh, came in contact with them. I'm going to tell you something. I, there's a friend of mine here uh, in Oklahoma that she, if she walks in the room, everybody gets better because she just has a way about her that lifts everybody up. That's what I'm asking the Lord. And I'm talking to people today. I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't let people die without hearing the gospel when somebody's willing to go to them and preach. Don't let people go hungry when he's the bread of life. Don't let people live sick when he's the great physician. Don't let people thirst when he's the living water. And I'm going to tell you something. There was a few years back when everybody was wearing them little bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I, I kind of missed it. I didn't, even, I didn't get on the bandwagon with that. But I'm going to tell you, I think if we live our life, just do what Jesus would do we'll begin to have a life of fulfillment, a life everlasting. Listen, if you want to get involved in what is important to God, get involved. Well, let me say it better than that. If you'll get involved in what is important to God, God will get involved in what is important to you. Get involved with souls. Get involved with missions. Get involved in evangelism. Look, if you want to be a part of what we're doing, we're going to have something up at the end of the screen. Contact us. We want to hear from you. We believe God's going to do something good. But I want to tell you something. Maybe today you're in the ditch of life. Maybe you're there because of alcohol. Maybe you're there because of drug addiction. Maybe you're there because of a divorce. Maybe you're there because of turmoil. Maybe you're there because you just found yourself in this situation. I want to pray for you today. Father God, I pray, Lord, those that are watching today, that they'll be lifted out of the ditch of life. Lord, that you'll bring help to them in their time of need. And Lord, I pray that you touch their mind, touch their body, touch their spirit right now. And I pray, Lord, that they would be better than they've ever been before. I want you to pray this today. If you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus and you want to today, I want you to ask Jesus in your heart, but I want you to pray this prayer with me. This is the beginning. This is the best way to get out of the ditch today. He said, when you come to him, old things pass away, all things become new. I believe today this is going to be a great day. Pray this with me. Dear God in heaven, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I don't want to ever be the same. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. He shed His blood for me. And that blood is cleansing me from every sin. Today I repent of my past. I have a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction. 
I boldly declare with my mouth, and I believe this in my heart, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I'm never going to be the same. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my heart. Thank you, Lord, for coming in. Look, if you prayed that prayer, make sure you contact us, DougEckles.com. There's an email there, info at DougEckles.com. You can get with us on uh, Facebook Messenger. You can get with us through Instagram. Uh, join us on those things. Help us do things around the world. We're believing for God to do great things in your life. I believe that God brought us together today. And you're never going to be the same. I, I want to tell you that we're seeing great things done. You can help us with water wells. We're drilling them not only in India, but in Pakistan and also in the country of Haiti. And uh, you can help us with those. You can help us feed children. You can help us with crusades. We have crusades coming up shortly. Uh, we're going into Mexico to Puebla. We're hoping to go in uh, uh, right over the border uh, uh, in uh, Mexico as well. But we've got some things planned this year. We're doing uh, ministry all over the world. Get involved with us. And I believe what you do for others, God will do for you. Ephesians 6, 8 says, Whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. We love you today, and we thank God for you. I believe Jesus has got better things for you. And I'm telling you today, somebody is never going to be the same. You've been messed up. And you've tried to help yourself, but I'm telling you, the Lord is helping you today and lifting you up with the right hand of His righteousness. We love you. Until the next time, we'll see you again. God bless you guys.